Well, amen. You may be seated, and if you would take your Bible this morning and find John's Gospel, chapter number 15. John, chapter number 15. If I've not had the opportunity to meet you, maybe this is a a first couple of times for you to be at Downtown Church. Uh, My name is Alan, and I am one of the pastors here at Downtown Church, and we, uh, Pastor David and I, uh, made a decision several months ago as we were praying about downtown church and the timing of our purchase of the steeple and really what our heart's desire is in 2023 for our church, for downtown church. And we, and we really began praying. I just said, Lord, give us a word, a word for the church, a word for, uh, for our membership, uh, even, even for us as pastors. And I really feel like... Back probably around September, October, the Lord just gave me the word flourish. I truly believe that God wants downtown church to flourish this year, 2023. So it's not only our word for the year for our church, but I'm also praying that maybe it's, it's your word that you would claim by faith for your life. And for me, it's really, it has become my word for the year, that I'm praying that, that maybe, you know, your life would flourish and your family would flourish, your relationships in your life would, would flourish, every part of your life, your life would thrive in this new year. And that's what we've been talking about for the last several weeks on Sunday mornings is how do we how do we flourish in our families? How do we flourish in community? How do we flourish in our faith? Well, this morning as we're kind of just drawing toward the conclusion of this teaching series, what we really want to talk about, what we really need to learn is is how do we do it? How, what's the process? The process of flourishing, the the how-to of it. And I really believe that Jesus shows us the process of how to flourish in John chapter 15. In John chapter 15, if you, in fact, just stand in the honor of the reading of God's Word, I'm going to begin reading in verse number 1, John chapter 15. Jesus uses this very... I think a beautiful illustration of the process of an abundant life, a life of abundance, a life that is thriving and flourishing. And he says, beginning in verse number 15, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. And every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. And already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide In me, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, 
then he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, and they're thrown into a fire, and they're burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it'll be done for you. And by this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. And if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated in his little book, Secrets of the Vine, by Bruce Wilkinson, and I, I would encourage you, to, if you have an opportunity to purchase that little book, Bruce Wilkinson kind of gives this illustration. He says, um, he says, it's, you just picture yourself, and uh, you're making your way into the vineyard, and it's harvest time, and you and you have your little basket because why? Because we're not pigs, right? We, we just need a we just need a little bit of fruit. We don't need a we don't need a lot, but it's harvest time, and we make our way into the vineyard, and we're going to explore the branches, and we're going to take some fruit. So we have our little basket, and we go into the vineyard, and we go to the first branch. Now again, it's harvest time. And so because it's harvest time, we're expecting what? We're expecting fruit. And so we look through that branch and we move the branch around and we're seeking and we're looking, but there is absolutely no fruit in that branch. And we're disappointed. In fact, we're kind of shocked because it's harvest and there is no fruit. So then we kind of make our way to the second branch. And we begin exploring and moving and, and making our way. And sure enough, we're kind of pleasantly surprised there is, some, there is some fruit. And we take that fruit and we place it in our basket. But we're, 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 we're glad that there's fruit, but there's not much fruit. But then we make our way to the third branch and sure enough, as we kind of look around and as we make our way, we realize that, man, okay, there's, there's more fruit here. And, and we're pleased and, and we're grateful that there's fruit. But then we make our way to the fourth branch. And as we kind of move it around and we're looking, and we're, man, we are, man, it, it, it has much fruit in fact, it has so much fruit that we fill our basket and we almost want to say, hey, hand me another basket. That's the picture. That's the picture that Jesus is illustrating here. Jesus, you've got to remember, Jesus is speaking to believers. And Jesus says when it comes to believers, there's basically four types of lives. There is the Christian that when you look, there's just no fruit. There's just no fruit at all in their life. And then there's some, some Christians 
that there is, there is fruit, but that's pretty much all that you can say is that there's fruit. There, there are other Christians in which there is more fruit in their life, more fruit. And then he says there, is, there are some Christians that, I mean, when you look at their life, their life is a life of abundance. There is much fruit, he says. They are, and here's our word, they're flourishing. And so really what I want you to understand, what the scripture I believe clearly teaches, is that what God desires of our church and what God desires for you is that your life, our church, would bear much fruit, a life of abundance, our church bearing much fruit, much fruit. Now, there's a couple of questions that you and I have as we're thinking about our church and our lives, our families, our marriages. One of those questions is, what is the fruit? Fruit, what is it? Well, fortunately, Jesus in his word, God tells us what the fruit is. Galatians chapter 5, look at the screen. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That is the fruit of the Spirit. That when you are connected to the Lord Jesus, your spirit connected. His spirit, his spirit is alive and working in you and through you, then that is the result. You are flourishing. There is joy and peace and faithfulness and gentleness. All of this fruit seen in and through your life. And that's what God desires for our church, and that's what God desires for your life, for your marriage, for your family, for your work. And every aspect of your life is that there would be abundance of his fruit in you. Go back to verse number 8 of John chapter 15. Verse number 8, he says this, but this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove that you're my disciples. So here's what Jesus says. When this is, watch this, when this is your life, when this is your life, this is for your good, you're bearing much fruit, there's much evidence that you are a believer, that you are connected to God through Jesus Christ, and here's what he says, and my Father is glorified. I want to ask you two questions. Here's the first question. Of these lives, of these baskets, which basket best glorifies God? Of course, we know, right? This, this basket, if we're talking about fruit, best glorifies God. Second question, all right? If we would say, if these are lives, representing lives, we would say that this life best represents God. The second question is this, which basket represents your life? Which basket best represents your life today? This basket? 
Is there any fruit? Any evidence? Is there, you can say, well, Alan, there's, there is fruit, or there's, there's, there's more fruit. Or pastor, this is, this is my life. There is much evidence and much fruit can be seen. Another question, and this is maybe a question that you have. The question that you probably have is, well, how do I, how do I stay connected so that there is fruit in my life? You probably picked up on a word that we read again and again that Jesus used in that passage of John 15, 1 through 11, and it's the word abide. Again and again and again, Jesus said, hey, here's the key, abide in me. That whoever abides in me, whoever abides in me, whoever the one that abides in me bears much fruit. So here's a principle, here's a truth that you have to learn this morning. There is no abundance without abiding. There is no abundance without abiding. So as we think about the kind of life that God wants for you, and I pray that you would want for you, and we would want for our church, is to flourish, to bear much fruit, to thrive. There's two essential things we need to understand. Number one, take your pencil, take your pen, write down number one. Number one, you must understand that he loves you. You must understand that he loves you. It's very important. It's crucial. If you're going to abide, if you're going to stay connected, you must bear much fruit. By the way, let me say this. Look up here. Here's the key as we think about abiding. If we don't abide, we drift. We drift away. We drift away from the vine. We drift away from Jesus. Because, listen, right now, right now, everything in this world is pushing you and driving you away from Jesus, away from the vine. There is, watch this, look up here. There is a current that flows in the world today that flows away from God, away from the vine. So if you don't intentionally, proactively abide and, and, and strive to grow in your relationship with God, you know what's going to happen? The natural current is going to cause you to drift. So we have to be proactive. There's some things that we have to do to stay connected to the vine. And one of those is to understand as best as we can, inwardly, that he loves us. Look at the verse number nine. Verse number nine, John chapter 15, this is what Jesus said. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. It's as if the followers were asking Jesus, hey, we've been with you for this time now. And we've listened to you, we've walked with you, we've watched the miracles and it seems like that you love us, that you care about us. How much do you really love us? 
And it's Jesus saying this, you want to know how much I love you? I love you as much as the Father loves me. And this morning, if you want to know how much God loves you, how much Jesus loves you, listen, he loves you as much as God loves his son. Can you, and you know how much the, the heavenly father loved his son, the Lord Jesus, when he was baptized, the heavens parted. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And so I believe this. I believe the reason why we drift, the reason why we bear very little fruit, if any, I truly believe this. I believe the reason we drift, the reason we don't bear much fruit as Christians is because we really do not grasp how much he loves us. I think we just don't really get it. I think if we really could grasp in our hearts and in our minds how much he loves us, we want to stay connected. We want to stay plugged in and allow him to bear fruit in our lives. Paul actually prayed this in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 3, uh, he, he was saying that you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Again, Paul understood that the secret to, to fullness, to flourishing, to much fruit, staying connected, is to know his love, to know and understand that he loves you. Really loves you. Now, listen, he says really our minds can't even fully comprehend it. And, and I know it's hard for us to, to picture, right? We would say, yeah, I know God loves me. I know the Lord loves me. So I, and listen, I have a couple of seminary degrees. I have a couple of theology degrees. But, but let me just put it on a, let me put it on the bottom shelf for you how I understand it. Of, of how much the Lord loves you. He loves you so much that he actually likes you. He, he loves you so much, he actually likes to, he wants to hang out with you. Now, see, downtown church, we, we've been around a few years, right? We've been, I think, three years now. And, uh, and sometimes there's some people in the church and, and, and they kind of come up to you and they go, you know, because we're Christians, you know, I love you, but I don't necessarily want to hang out with you, right? I, I love you best when you stay at your house and I stay in my house. You know, hey, I love you, but don't call me, right? Don't call me. Um, I think it's kind of like this. If, if, if you've been around me very much. Here's what you kind of know. Casey knows this about me uh, from just a, us hanging out together a couple of days ago. I generally do not like animals. I don't like pets. I don't like dogs. Now, I, I, love, I, I love your dog, Casey, but I love your dog when your dog is at your house and I'm in my house. 
right? And there's just some people like that, right? So here's what we say. Man, I love you, but, but don't call me, right? I don't, I don't want to hang. I love you, but we're not hanging out. So we may ask this kind of question. Is that really love? Maybe not. Maybe not. But Jesus so loves you, he actually likes you, and he wants to hang out with you. There's this wonderful story where Jesus is traveling the road to Jericho. And there is this guy named Zacchaeus. He's a little short guy. And nobody liked him. And nobody wanted to hang out with him. And Zacchaeus, he's heard about Jesus. Jesus is famous. And Zacchaeus actually climbs up this tree so that he can catch a glimpse of Jesus as he's passing by because there's a crowd of people. Jesus is now famous. So Jesus is just traveling down the road, and there is, he spots Zacchaeus up in this tree. What kind of tree was it? Sycamore tree, because you know the song, right? And so Zacchaeus, wee little man, he has climbed up the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. Right. So Jesus says, hey, Zacchaeus knows his name. Zacchaeus, you come down for I'm going to your house today. Hey, I want to have lunch with you. I want to hang out with you. And Zacchaeus, he's shocked. He says, me? You want to hang out with me? You want to have lunch with me? In fact, even the other crowd is like, him? That guy's a sinner. That guy's worthless. Jesus said, man, I love you. I love you so much that I like you. And I want to spend time with you. I want to, I want to hang out with you. Sometimes, and there may be some of you this morning, maybe how you were raised, maybe your parents and maybe how they raised you or, or maybe a, a separation or a divorce or maybe you kind of feel like Maybe, maybe rejected in some way. Maybe your childhood, maybe how you were growing up. Maybe there were some things that happened and, and you kind of felt rejected. Maybe there's some things that happened in your life that you kind of feel, can I just use this word, you feel a little trashy on the inside. I've discovered this, that when you feel a little bit trashy on the inside, you start living a little trashy on the outside. And maybe, to be quite honest with you, there's, there's a part of you here this morning that you just don't feel loved or lovable. I've got great news for you. Jesus loves you. In fact, he loves you so much. He loves you as much as the Father loves him. R write these couple of verses down. Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, verse number 8. But God showed, demonstrated his own love for us that while we were still sinners, while we were in our sin, he died for us. Here's another verse in Romans, in chapter 8, verse 32. I love how the message paraphrases this. If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything else that he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? He loves you. He loves us. He loves us. He loves you. And you, if you could just get a glimpse of that, then I think you begin to, 
to want to stay connected with him. Let's talk about that drifting for just a moment. So if we don't proactively stay connected, we drift. And we drift away from Jesus, who is the true vine. We drift away from the one, watch this, we drift away from the one who truly loves us, loves us as much as the Father loves him. In fact, he's actually demonstrated his love for us that while we were in our sin, he died for us. So we drift away from his love and who he is, and we're drifting toward what? We're drifting toward an enemy that hates us, who wants to steal, kill, and destroy, who wants to wreck and ruin our lives. That's what we're drifting to. So the key is to abide. The key is to understand his love and to stay connected with him. There's a second truth. So number one, you must understand that he loves you. Number two, you must understand that he is working on you. You must understand that he is working on you. Let's go back and look at the first six verses of John 15. I am the true vine, my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does, it, that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. And, and already you are clean because the word that I've spoken to you, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches and whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, then he is thrown away like a branch and withers and the branches are gathered, thrown into a fire and burnt. So for the vine dresser, there's just one goal. And the one goal is to make the vineyard as productive as possible, to flourish. That's the goal. So understand, if I'm going to bear fruit, if I'm going to stay connected to the vine, there's a couple of things I have to have an understanding of. Number one, I need to understand that he dearly, dearly, great, he loves me. But number two, I need to understand that he's working on me. Here's the key is verse number two. Look at verse two. Let's keep it on the screen there for a moment. Jesus says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. You ought to underline those two words, takes away. This is key. He says, and listen, remember he's talking to Christians. If there's a Christian and they're not bearing any fruit, then he's going he's gonna to do some taking away. All right, now here's what you and I need to understand. That doesn't mean that he cuts it off and he throws it away. As a matter of fact, th- those little, that little phrase there, takes away, actually means to take up, to rise up. Here's the picture. 
when the branch begins to grow out of the vine, it grows toward the ground. In fact, it grows toward the ground and can even be in the ground, touch the ground. And the soil gets on the branch. And as it turns downward and it grows downward and it's into the dirt, dirt gets on it, mildew, rain. Uh, there's a lack of oxygen. There's a lack of nourishment. And so guess what happens? It doesn't bear fruit. It's, it's unfruitful. So the vine dresser needs to take it up, needs to point it up so that it's, in, it's getting sunlight, it's getting oxygen, it's clean so that it can bear fruit. Here's the lesson. Remember, he's talking about Christians here. When a Christian... When they're unfruitful, he must discipline. They must be disciplined. He's going to discipline you. If you as a Christian are not bearing fruit because there is sin in your life, guess what he's going to do? He's going to discipline you. Now, he disciplines you because he wants you to bear fruit. He disciplines you because he loves you. As a matter of fact, the Bible says this in Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 6, the Lord disciplines the ones he what? That he loves. Just so just as a parent disciplines their child, the parent doesn't want to discipline the child, doesn't want to, but the parent disciplines the child. Why? Because he loves the child and he wants the child to do good and fulfill their purpose. And so the Lord disciplines. Okay. The Lord doesn't want to, but he wants you to bear fruit. So he disciplines you in your life. Why? Because you're in sin. Sometimes in a Christian's life, just like in children, how many of you, when you were growing up, maybe would have been characterized as a, let's put it in good politically correct terms, you were a strong-willed child. Do we have any of those strong-willed I was, I was a strong-willed child. Got a couple of them here. Some of you are a little embarrassed, and that's okay. We could probably point you out, right? We know. Strong-willed child. So when you have a strong-willed child, I mean, you still discipline. You still discipline. And ultimately, that child has to learn, look, I'm actually going to determine how long this, this discipline goes on, right? I, I'm going to determine the intensity of it and the length of it by whether or not I finally yield and surrender, right? In fact, uh, there's a scripture. It's found in the book of Acts. It uses this phrase, Acts chapter 26, 14. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Now, here's the picture. The picture is a farmer with these oxen pulling the plow. And the, and the farmer has a long stick, a goad. And if the oxen doesn't go in the right direction, the farmer would goad the oxen, poking the sharp stick in the ribs of the oxen. And you know what the oxen would do? Kick backwards. Now, the farmer would goad the ox in the ribs. The ox is kicking backwards. The oxen is never going to kick the goad. It can't. 
And so here's what the scripture teaches. Listen, you can kick against God. You can kick against the goad, but it's not going to do any. You'll never win. The oxen is never going to win against the farmer. You're never going to win against God. You determine the length of the discipline, the intensity of the discipline until you, listen, you can kick against the goads as long as you want, but you're never going to win until you finally yield and surrender. So he wants for you to bear fruit. And if you're in sin, you determine. I, by the way, I've known people that have spent years in their life experiencing the discipline of the Lord and still no fruit. I've seen it. I've seen people live decades experiencing. I've seen it. The discipline of the Lord. But they're so strong-willed and no fruit. So listen carefully, we'll finish up. For the Christian, when there is no fruit, there is discipline. He disciplines. By the way, you say, you know what? There's no fruit in my life, and yet I've not experienced any discipline. The Lord disciplines his own kids. If there is no fruit in your life, and you've not experienced any discipline from the Lord, you're probably not one of his kids. So for the Christian, when there's no fruit, there's discipline. Number two, when there is fruit, he prunes. Go back to verse number two. Let's look at the screen. What does he say in verse number two? He says in verse number two, he says, um, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes it away, he disciplines Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Now, what's the difference between discipline and pruning? Well, they both hurt. They both, they both experience some pain. But here's the difference. The difference is that the goad has to come at you when you're in your sin the shears deal with self. My, my misplaced priorities. He's refining you. He's refining you. Um, think of it this way, and we'll wrap it up. Joseph in the Old Testament. I mean, he was a slave, he was in prison. God, what are you doing? God was refining him. So then ultimately, Joseph became the prime minister of Egypt. David, shepherd boy, bears, lions, he spent many years hiding in a cave. And David said, you know what? God, what are you doing? God was refining him to make him king. Moses, years on the backside of the desert. God, what are you doing? God was refining him. Listen to me, look up here. If you want to flourish, you'll never really get there. You'll never really experience it apart from the shearing, the pruning. 
you'll never experience it. You'll never get there. Let me tell you this story, and we're done. The Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, there's probably never been a Christian that's bore more fruit in their life than the Apostle Paul. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, this is what the Apostle Paul says. Listen to this. This is crazy. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys in dangers, in danger from rivers, dangers from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from the Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. He said, this is what I've gone through as a Christian. Paul, was it worth it? Was it worth it? In that same 2 Corinthians chapter 4, for this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Do you know what he calls all that? The shipwreck, the stonings, the beatings, all that he endured. Do you know what he calls it? A light and momentary affliction. Because here's what he says. Watch this. We're done. Through all of that, it was for his glory. God was refining me and much fruit in my life. The apostle Paul died, was killed in A.D. 67. He was beheaded for the faith. Watch this. Look up here. Almost 2,000 years later, his life is still bearing fruit. We still talk about it. God, God is still using his life today. I believe that you can have a life like that. I believe that our church can be like that. I mean, what, what kind of life do you want? Let's, let's, let's pray that we understand his love and that we trust him and we abide in him and we not drift away and that through that connection, his spirit is powerful in us and bears much fruit. Let's pray together. The worship team is going to come. They're going to lead us in a song. Pastors are going to be standing here. In fact, our pastors are going to come now. They love to pray with you. The altar is open for you to pray. At the very beginning, I asked you the question, which of those baskets best represents your life right now, today, this morning? No fruit? Fruit? A little bit of fruit. Or abundance. Lord, help us to understand your great love for us. And as Christians, to recognize 
that because you love us and you desire for us to to flourish to live a life of abundance then you discipline us when we are in sin and even when we're abiding you prune us so that we bear even more fruit so God this morning in this room there are some that you are disciplining and there are others that you are refining Lord I pray that we yield ourselves to you that we surrender ourselves to you so that you may be glorified and that your spirit so empowers us so works in us oh there is much fruit and we flourish in our lives in our marriages in our homes in our relationships in our friendships in our work in our labor in our service bear much fruit Lord that's our desire hear us in these moments as we cry out to you in Jesus name amen Let's